Hello and welcome to the Turned On Podcast. I'm Angelique Nori and my husband David and I have made it our mission to break the darkness by flipping the switch on the four most important areas of your life in health, relationships, business, and in faith. And sometimes the light in the world and in your life can go dim, either from the intrusion of technology or simply because society is so driven by instant gratification. It's our mission to help people see that we're hardwired for connection and that the best things in life come when we turn on the light to see with new eyes the opportunity that exists just a flip away. So if you're ready to stir your spirit, open your eyes, and profit in all areas of your life, then let's get turned on. Here we go. A naked blonde walks into a bar carrying a poodle under one arm and a two-foot salami under the other. She lays the poodle on the table. Bartender says, I suppose you won't be needing a drink. Naked lady says, well, I don't know what the naked lady says, but if you're a child of the 80s, you know what movie that's from. It's from The Breakfast Club. And it's a hell of a way to start a podcast because storytelling is joke telling. It's knowing your punchline, your ending. It's knowing that everything you're saying from the first sentence to the last is leading to a singular goal and ideally confirming some truth that deepens our understandings of who we are as human beings. Now, Andrew Stanton said that. Who is Andrew Stanton? Well, he helped co-write and direct movies like Finding Nemo, Wally, Toy Story. So if you're a parent, guess what? You've seen his movies. Now, he did that in what's called Clues to a Great Story. It is a TED Talk. And I love this TED Talk. I love it so much, my friends, that I use it in the first class of every speak up that I've taught since 2015. Because think about that. Storytelling is joke telling. It's knowing your punchline. It's knowing how to make things make sense in a sequence leading up to some, what? Some ending. And Andrew Stanton goes on to say this. Think about it. He goes, we all love stories. We're born for stories because stories affirm who we are. And we all want affirmations that our lives have meaning. And nothing does a greater affirmation than when we connect through stories. Yes? Amen. Okay, so where is this going? Welcome to the Turned On Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about building your content arsenal and how to create story. So let's ask you this question, listener. We are in the age of the what? What is this the age of? The age of the if you said influencer, yes, we are in the age of the influencer. It's here, whether you like it or not. So think about this. We've always told stories as human beings, whether it was from a cave drawing on a wall. We've seen that, right? In museums, there's a cave drawing on a wall, and that's how we told stories. Uh, later on, there was a quill and parchment paper, not parchment paper, a papaya paper. Um, then there was the invention of the printing press. Then there was the radio, the television, computer, 
And now we are telling stories on this thing we call a smartphone. That's how we communicate. And for many of us, for many of you listening, this is how we do business. Yes? Yes. It's, it's the evolution of messaging. And whether you like it or not, again, it's impossible to live without it. You know, in my book, Turned On, I talked about this, this dance that we're doing, this balancing act that we're doing with technology. This device that we call the smartphone sometimes can be used to our advantage in business. We're all doing it. Right now, you're listening to this probably on a smartphone, but it can also be a disadvantage if we, if we let it control our lives. So if we're using it, if you out there listening right now are using stories of any kind, and I guarantee you are whether you know it or not, if you are living, breathing, and earning money for a living, chances are you are using stories. But are you using stories? In other words, are you perfecting them? Are you paying attention to it? Or are you just telling them? It could be the difference between thousands of dollars, millions of dollars, it could be the difference between ultimate success in your business and failure. It could be the difference between success in your business or failure. And it's not me saying this. I teach Speak Up, and I'm a big fan of storytelling, a big fan of joke telling, but it's not me saying this. And so let me give you two guys that you might be more familiar with than myself, and let me make this point. Billionaire with a B, Entrepreneur Richard Branson says this about the power of story. He says, today, if you want to succeed as an entrepreneur, you also have to be a storyteller. He says, of course, it's no use being a good storyteller if your product is idea or rubbish, as the English say. It's no good if your idea is rubbish. But he also says it's not enough to create a great product. You have to know how to let people know about it. So how many of you listening right now, right now, have a product, something that you stand behind, something that you either sell, promote, endorse, and you are trying to let people know about it? Because if you have a product and it's on your desk and you're not trying to let people know about it, I don't know what you're doing, right? We, we have to let people know. So the question for you then, do you want to be a better storyteller? Do you want to be a great storyteller? Do you want to be an original or do you just want to be a facsimile of somebody else? Do you just want to sit there and go through the motions and copy somebody else or do another TikTok story, which are, which are fine. But again, we're looking for range. One of the things I like to teach in class is range. That means not being a one trick pony. We can do several things. I can do TikTok or I can talk to you. Okay, we have to have range. So we can be fun, we can be engaging, we can be informative, we can just flash a peace sign and a selfie, we can do all these things, but we have to send messages. And the best way to send messages is to tell stories, to be engaging. And it's not just for business. We tell stories as a form of handing down anecdotes and, and family lineage. Uh, how many of you have ever listened to your grandfather or your father, your mother, your great grandma tell a great story about your family? And what do you do? What do you do? You pass it on. So my message for you now is whether you're doing Facebook lives, Instagram stories, Zoom calls, whatever way you're communicating, I want to tell you a couple ways where you can really incorporate telling stories to make more money. Okay. 
So I'm not perfect at telling stories. And that's probably the first lesson is, look, we don't have to be perfect. I'll say it again. You don't have to be perfect. I never really do second takes. Angelique and I, in this podcast, we've never edited the podcast. We've never done a second take. We, we just don't. We just go. So you don't have to be perfect. Matter of fact, I believe people crave imperfection. They want somebody that they know is real. And so here's a couple of things I'm going to tell you about two people that I teach about in my class, two groups of people, two professions, if you will, that rely on stories. In other words, these two professions wouldn't be around if it wasn't for storytelling, because everything that they do depends on how they tell stories. And that is comedians and pastors, comedians and pastors. Yes. Are you with me? You follow that? Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. If you've been to a comedy club and God knows I want to go back. I remember um, <laughs> quick story. Some friends took me to see Rob Schneider. I think back in 2019, maybe. And we were packed in this tiny comedy club in Tennessee. I mean, shoulder to shoulder. I think we had a table with two other parties at our table. And so it's ironic because now it's like you can't go into a comedy club. But we sat there and we watched Rob Schneider. Some of you guys know him from Saturday Night Live, right? Deuce Bigelow. Does that strike a chord? Deuce Bigelow, anybody? Just like at the beginning, we were talking about the Breakfast Club. Now we're talking about Deuce Bigelow. Okay. Um, well, why are comics successful? Because they say things that what? We relate to. In other words, when you're sitting there listening to a comic and he says something and there are 300 other people in that comedy club laughing, it's because we all what? We related to what he was saying is something that we probably didn't want to admit or something we didn't know anybody else thought about, but we related to that. That's key number one. If you're looking for content, if you're trying to sell something or you're trying to grow your social media, what about you is relatable? In my book, I say over and over again, we are more alike than we are what? Different. We're more alike than we are different. So use that to your advantage. Think about it. What can you say that maybe you're holding back and you think other people might feel the same way? That's the first part of content, okay? Then the second group, after comedians, who else needs an audience to be engaged? Who else needs to win people over with words and stories? If you said maybe your pastor, right? Your local pastor. Why do some pastors have pews that are packed on Sundays? Why do some pastors have huge followings? Just like why do some comedians pack, pack an event and some comedians don't? It's because they're better storytellers. They sell out. They use their words, their emotions. They use their tone, their voice to get people to listen. But pastors have to tell good stories. And again, they have to tell stories that hit you in the chest, Stories that you relate to, that you internally, inside, deep down somewhere, you think whether you hold your hand up or not, you say, yeah, that's me. So a comedian and a pastor, at some point, you say to yourself, oh my gosh, they're talking about me. That's what happens in my life. That's what I do. My friends, that's a clue right there. If you're online, and you have a business, 
What are you going to talk about that is relatable? Some of you overthink it too much or you're too scared to let your, let your inhibitions go and be vulnerable and think, well, what if I say this? What if everybody's not thinking about it? Or what if nobody's like me? What if I'm the only one? Come on. The only one? No. No, you have to take a chance. You have to get vulnerable. You have to ask yourself, what are people thinking? What is it about your product? What is it about your mission? What is it about your purpose or your plan that other people can relate to? Like Richard Branson says, you have to go back and tell an interesting story. People have to know about your product. How about Warren Buffett? Anybody heard of Warren Buffett, right? Yes. Warren Buffett says this, if you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens. Good old Warren Buffett. When's the last time he winked at a girl in the dark? I don't know. Who knows? I love these cliches, right? That's almost a cliche. Where do you get, where do you get these stories? You know who is great at that? Some of these old timers like Warren Buffett. So I was a reporter for most of my life. And every once in a while, you just remember these stories and the great interviews. As a sports reporter, there were so many bad interviews, but there were so many good ones. And whether you like him or not, one of the best interviews in the history of sports is Lou Holtz. I got to interview Lou Holtz when he was uh, – when he was a coach back in the day before he became just an announcer. And he had all these one-liners, kind of like Warren Buffett's winking at a girl in the dark. Lou Holtz once said, I asked him a question. I said, hey, this particular player, I go, is he fast? And Lou Holtz looked at me, he goes, son, he goes, if this guy was in a race with a pregnant woman, he would come in third. I mean, some of them are dad jokes, right? And I said, can this guy play? And, and Lou Holtz said he couldn't play a dead Indian in a cowboy Western movie. And, I, you know, it's like, okay, you, you get the one-liners. <laughs> My wife's going to kill me for this. Uh, they're silly. But Warren Buffett, let's get back on track. Warren Buffett. If you can't communicate, it's like winking at a girl in the dark. Nothing happens. He says there's one way. One way. Billionaire Warren Buffett says there's one way. I can guarantee you that you will earn 50% more money over your lifetime. What is that? Communication skills, written and verbal, how to tell stories, how to talk. How do we do it? Well, I would ask you, my friends, this, if you're having trouble getting content, if you're having trouble telling stories, and if you're just out there doing the TikToks or you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing, give yourself a chance to get out of your comfort zone. Give yourself a chance to get out of your comfort zone and simply ask the question, what happened to me today? What happened to me yesterday? What stirred my emotions? What did I think was funny? What pissed me off? Uh, what made me cry? What got me excited? What got me excited? What got you excited? What got you excited? Think about it. Recently, because if it got you excited, chances are it got somebody else excited. And people like to talk about things that get them excited for better or worse. So in my personality profile, I ask people to send this questionnaire out. And the questionnaire says, what's the last thing you remember me getting passionate about? Where is your passion? 
write it down when these things happen. What do you like? What gets you pumped up? For years, my wife, Angelique, used to ask me, man, you watch so many documentaries. Or how do you recite so many movie lines like that one from Breakfast Club? Or how do you know these music lyrics? Like, what good is all that useless information doing in your head? And at first, I thought maybe it was useless. But here's the thing. We are in the age of knowledge. Okay, we are in the age of information. So when we can tell stories and use knowledge and use information to connect with people, that's the goal here. Okay. It's not just telling stories for the sense of telling stories. It's telling stories for the sense of what? Being able to connect. And that's why comedians and pastors connect with people so much. They feel like they're talking directly to them. So let me give you an example. Dennis Miller, comedian. Right? Dennis Miller, some of you, old timers. He dealt a lot in cultural references. And he said one time, he says, you need a deep cultural reference drawer and a quick retrieval system. Let me repeat that. You need a deep cultural reference drawer and a quick retrieval system, meaning know what's going on in the world a little bit. Stay up on current events. Know what people care about, what people are thinking about, and then be able to reference it quickly. He was probably one of the best at that, and that's why he was successful. So if you can just keep that reference drawer available in your mind and be able to retrieve things, you're going to connect with people more often, okay? Now, the other part of this is pastors. So one of my favorite pastors, so I talk about, geez, I feel like I talk about him on every single episode, Mark Driscoll. He is probably not just a great man of God, but if you study this man's presentation skills, there is an anointing there that I just, my dad tells me, he goes, I watched Pastor Driscoll and he just doesn't stop. He doesn't look at his notes and he's, he just brings things from history and from the Bible and connects them all together. And then he manages to put humor in there, or he manages to get really passionate at times. And then he could be really intimate at times. So I just watch him and sometimes I marvel at him. And I'm sure there's other pastors like TD Jakes and some of these other guys that are just like that. They just, you watch him and you're like, I'll follow this person anywhere because they're inspirational. So I use this one piece from Pastor Driscoll, and I use it in teaching the public speaking course, because if you're pushing a product or you're selling a product or you have a, a passion project or a purpose or a 501c3, then your job is to transform what? To transform people's lives. You want to make them inspired to pick up and do something. That is the goal of what every pastor is trying to do. But he says this, and listen closely. Take a pen. Remember this. Rewind it after I say it, because this is a piece of gold that he said. He said, there are a lot of people out there that think information equals transformation. Okay? There are a lot of people out there who simply think information hey, if I give you more facts, figures, and stuff, you will be able to use that and transform. He says, no. Information doesn't necessarily just equal transformation. 
It's information in the context of a loving relationship or just relationship that does. So think about that. My wife and I are in the network marketing business. We have great products with, and I can sit there and look at the back of a label and I can read that label to you and I can say, it's got this, 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 and that. And then I can tell you about the comp plan. We can pay you this, 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 and that. That is the information. Now, if I just do that, people aren't going to buy it. They're not going to transform their lives. There has to be a relationship. And where does that relationship come? In them getting to know me, the trust factor, and that I care about them. Information in the context of a loving relationship. And when I say loving, I almost left out that word because it's not the kind of love that we're talking about, like husband and wife love. Meaning, do you, do you trust me? Have, have I built that online trust with you in order for you to say, hey, yeah, you know what? I like his information and I trust him and I, he's let me in to know as much about his life that I, I know that he's coming from a place where I can trust him. Again, that, that trust word comes up, doesn't it? So information doesn't equal transformation. Information in the context of a loving relationship or a trusting relationship does. Now, surely Pastor Driscoll's talking about the deeper type of love. He is talking about uh, a love in a committed relationship of a marriage or father-son, mother-daughter, vice versa, or um, certainly the love that God has for his children, okay? And that's where the transformation comes. How many pastors have ever won anybody over saying, here's what the Bible says, A, B, and C? No, they have to tell stories. You have to hear the compassion and the passion in their voice. I'll say it again, the compassion and passion in their voice, okay? So he goes on to say this. He says, you can use your words to connect or to control. And I love this part. Think about that. Think about it, not just in business, but in all walks of your life. And how simple sometimes, how the simplest messages ring so true. And this is one of those ones, if you remember, you will be happier in life. I guarantee it. Thank you, Pastor Driscoll, for saying this. And I will keep repeating it for as long as it takes to get people to remember it. He says, you will use your words to connect or to control. If you use them to control, you won't have a relationship. If you use them to connect, you will. Think about that in our current political dilemma in this country. Are our politicians using their stories and words to connect or to control? Hmm. I would say a lot of it's to control. It's certainly, it's certainly a double-edged sword when you talk about people that are using, that are gifted with words. That's the scary part. When you have a politician or somebody or even a salesperson who is gifted with words, you, the listener, then have to really ask yourself, where is that context of the relationship? Where is the trust? Okay. Where is the trust? So use your words to connect or to control, use them to connect and you'll have a relationship and you'll have a, a relationship, whether it's in your home, in your, in your heart, with your faith, or certainly if it's in your business. All right. So Let's go here with this next part. We're talking about, first of all, the words. And now we're going to talk about something else that I figure is extremely important. Well, David, where do I get information? Well, the Bible says this, the beginning of wisdom is what? Get wisdom. 
again, guys, you see the themes here? They're not rocket science. We're not splitting the atom here. It's, it's simple stuff. If you want to con connect with somebody, you use your words to connect and you have a relationship, okay? If, if your goal is to actually win somebody over, then what do you have to do? You have to get content. You have to get content with them. Because the content equals a connection. So where do I get the content? Well, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Where do I get content? Where do you get content? I just told you a couple minutes ago that if you take notes during your day, there will be things that stir your spirit. There will be things that get you passionate or things that just make you think. Those are the things that a lot of other people are thinking about. But if we go back to strict content, this is what I love to do. I love to look at things like documentaries. I love to listen to other podcasts. I love to read books because this is where we're going to get information. This is where we're going to get a lot of our information. Once we get that information, then we do what we call six degrees of separation. And once again, that comes from my love of movies. Has anybody ever heard of Kevin Bacon and Six Degrees of Separation? Have you? So the concept of this Kevin Bacon game, Six Degrees of Separation, is that Kevin Bacon's been in so many movies that if you name any actor, you can trace it back to Kevin Bacon co-starring with them within six movies. And it's pretty, it's pretty accurate. So... I kind of taken that six degrees of separation in content building and thought about this. If your goal is to talk about your product or your purpose or your mission or your course, and you want to just use the content that you take in, I would do this. Find a way to relate it back within six moves. Okay. Think about that. Find a way to relate it back within six moves. And I guarantee that anything that stirs your heart or your spirit, you can relate it back to your business or what you do. So let me, let me see here. There's a couple of things that I've written down. And this is from a podcast called Famous Fates. It's on Spotify. So Famous Fates on Spot, Famous Fates. Uh, say that three times quickly. Famous Fates on Spotify talks about famous people and Little gives little anecdotes about their life. It's kind of like little mini documentaries and they're like in 40 minute segments. And I listened to this particular podcast and I, I found some very interesting things. So in my business, I talk about speech, right? I talk about communication. I talk about uh, how, to, how to be a public speaker, how to be more confident. And then my other part of my business with Angelique is we talk about health and wellness and we talk about um, creating... Uh, financial security for families and those things. So here's a couple of the things I learned in Famous Face that are just anecdotes that I can do six degrees of separation to help me with my business. One of the things is Tennessee Williams, the famous author and playwright, he once committed himself to writing one short story per week. Okay, so when I was listening to his little biography on famous fates 
They said that Tennessee Williams, when he was a struggling writer, committed himself to writing one short story per week. So that's an interesting fact. The fact that I can take that and say, hey, anybody in my business who's trying to do this, do yourself a favor. Do like Tennessee Williams did. He simply started off with doing one thing a week and he made a deadline for himself and he committed to that. And once he did that, he built on the momentum. And whether you're trying to fix your body or whether you're trying to fix your bank account, we can't look at the long picture. We have to look at the short picture. So if you could commit to doing one thing a week, I guarantee you that at the end of that year, you're going to be a much better physical shape. You're going to be in much better financial shape. How about some other things? Here's a random, crazy, weird fact about Leonardo da Vinci. His last name, Vinci, comes from the town of Vinci in Italy because Leonardo was born to parents who were not married. They were casual lovers. And for lack of a better term, he was born what they called the bastard. And in those days, in the mid, um, I think it was the 1850s he was born, um, no, not 18. All right, scratch that. I don't know. See, I'm not going to edit that part. Leonardo da Vinci, mid-century, 1500s. Sorry. Um, in those days, <laughs> if you were born a bastard, you could not attend public schools or universities. So if I'm teaching or coaching and somebody says, you know what, David, I didn't go to college. There's a perfect antidote that I could do six degrees of separation and talk about somebody that everybody knows and say, look, you think you had a bad upbringing. You think you were born behind the eight ball. Leonardo da Vinci couldn't even go to school. He couldn't go to university. He didn't even have his parents' last name. He was named after the town that he was born in. But yet he taught himself Latin. He taught himself engineering. And he became one of the most famous artists ever. So what I'm trying to do, my friends, in these anecdotes is tell you that whatever you see, hear, or listen to, you can use in six degrees of separation to teach people about your business, to teach people about what it is that you want them to remember. So I would encourage you to watch documentaries on some famous people, continue to read books, do those things that flood your brain with content, and then always keep uh, I, I keep a section on my iPhone, a little, little note section. Uh, sometimes I do voice memos. Sometimes I can do the old-fashioned spiral notebook. I'm an old-timer. I'm a big fan of the spiral notebook. And here's the thing, the beautiful part. No matter what it is that you're interested in, I guarantee there's a life lesson in it, 100%. If I, if I take two, two of my loves is sports reporting and football, and then I love history and I love, I love uh, God, you know that. So how can I take sports reporting, the NFL, my love of history and God, <laughs> and, and put them into an anecdotal story that makes people think, well, what's in the news? What is pertinent? What, what can we take? And again, from earlier in the podcast, when I'm talking about what people are thinking about. If you are a man right now and you follow the NFL, one of the biggest stories you've been hearing is Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the Packers? This is crazy. And then you start to think about it. And I started getting my brain going. 
And I grew up in Miami. I was a huge fan of Dan Marino and the Dolphins. I mean, diehard Dolphins, Dan Marino fan. And after going to my first Packers game in 2012, I became a huge fan of the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. So I did a little bit of research and I realized that in Dan Marino's 17 years and Packer and Aaron Rodgers 13 years of 30 years, they have one Super Bowl between them. One Super Bowl victory. Two of the greatest passers of all times. And I started to think, well, okay, what does that have to do with anything that I can teach on? What about for women who don't like football? Well, let's talk about their demeanor. As a student of human interaction, and I'm, I'm a people watcher, I've watched for years Dan Marino's persona on the sideline. I've watched for years how Aaron Rodgers behaves on the sideline. And neither of them had great body language. Neither of them had great, I mean, you could see when they were upset, but compare it to a Tom Brady or compare it to a Joe Montana, who I would watch on the sidelines talking with their players and, and, and just getting fired up versus Aaron Rodgers, who goes to the sideline and just hangs out. So I started to think, okay, so body language, I teach body language. I teach facial expression. I teach leadership in all of my businesses. And then I remember this amazing book that I was reading because it stuck in my head. It's called The Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham. Okay, so stay with me here. Here's Aaron Rodgers, Dan Rito. Not great body language, not great facial expressions, and ultimately great in talent, but not really great in terms of trophies. So I'm thinking about this passage that I read in The, leader, read in the Leadership Secrets of Billy Graham, and it was saying how Billy always liked to show up positive. And then Billy gives an example in the book talking about um, Dwight Eisenhower and basically said that all during the European uh, World War II was one of the most tumultuous, one of the most trying, one of the most difficult times in the nation's history, in the world's history. And here you have Dwight Eisenhower, President Dwight D. Eisenhower. And think about, my friends, what that must be like from day in and day out. You think your job is stressful? You think you're living under stressful times? Think about what it's like to be the president of the United States in World War II when you are facing the devil that is who? Yeah, Hitler, okay? And so it says that Eisenhower's famous grin was his trademark throughout the conflict. He never let exhaustion or discouragement, discouragement extinguish his grin. In other words, Eisenhower said in his diary, I am determined by my mannerisms and my speech in public that they would always reflect a cheerful certainty of victory. And that any pessimism and any discouragement that I might ever feel would be reserved for my pillow. Think about that. Think about juxtaposition when you're teaching and when you're trying to get interesting stories that are both timely and historical, and you can tell people, this is what we should do. If you're talking to your team and you say, guys, there's some times when I know things are down. I know sales are down. Or I know you just, you had a bad month. Remember that Dwight D. Eisenhower had a lot of pressure on him, life and death, but he said he would never, ever let his mannerisms or his speech in front of his team reflect anything but victory and that he would never show pessimism or discouragement 
He would reserve that for his pillow. In other words, indoors. If you want to be a great leader and you're leading a team, guess what? You always show up. You always let them see that you have confidence. So what you can do is take a book, take something that's a current event, and lead it into some type of anecdotal story that will help lead your team. So again, I encourage you, read books, take notes, highlight them, listen to uh, podcasts, watch documentaries, but don't just watch them for the sake of watching them. Ask yourself, where is the teaching moment in that book, podcast, or documentary? Okay? Ask yourself that. So getting content. Now the next part and the final part as we wrap up this particular podcast is I want to talk to you about conversational language. I want to talk to you about how to create a dialogue rather than a monologue. What are we doing right now? What's happening here in this exchange? You're in your car, you're on a treadmill, maybe you're taking a walk, maybe you're sitting on the back porch, but you're listening to this podcast and me talk, and I'm talking to you right now. And my question to you is, is this a dialogue or a monologue? What do you think? It's a dialogue, right? Just by asking you those questions in that form with a question mark at the end of my sentence, your brain was thinking, is he talking directly? Is he really asking me a question? I mean, I'm listening to this podcast. It was recorded maybe weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Is this a dialogue or a monologue? It's a dialogue. I'm trying to have a conversation with you, even though you're not physically answering me. But technically, it is what? It's a monologue. I'm not really getting answers back from you. When, what do we think of when we think of a monologue? What, what happens? What's the most obvious situation of a monologue? How about late night shows, right? Your late night TV hosts. Jimmy Fallon, monologue to begin the show. Who else? Who else do you listen to and they come out with a monologue? Every late night TV show host, who was the best at it? Who started it all? Who's the legend? Who's the goat of late night TV? I'll give you a clue. He's Johnny. Johnny Carson. So I want you to think about this, whether you were born then or not. I remember when I was a kid. If you, if you grew up in the, in the 70s or 80s and you were uh, 8, 10, 12, 15 years old and you had a bedtime that was, say, like 8.30, I'm willing to bet you that every once in a while you snuck into your parents, either you knocked on their bedroom door or you snuck back out to the living room and with a big puppy dog face, she said, mom or dad, please, can I just stay up and watch a little bit of The Tonight Show? Can I just watch a little bit of Johnny with you guys? I mean, I know I'm dating myself, but if you get it, you get it. On those nights, my parents would say, okay, but just the, just the first half hour, I mean, dude, 
it was the greatest thing in the world. Like the Johnny Carson show was big. So how does that relate to what I'm teaching? Where's the six degrees of separation? Well, think about this. Johnny Carson was on the air for 30 freaking years. 30 years. So let's break this down and find out how many monologues and how many dialogues he had. And it's going to relate to exactly what you're doing on Zoom or Facebook Live. It's going to relate to your everything that you're doing right now. So in 30 years, let's say there's 260 workdays because Johnny didn't do it on, on, uh, on the weekends, right? So there's 260 days. And let's give Johnny two weeks off vacation. I don't even think he had two weeks off, but let's just give him two weeks off. So 30 years at 260 days a year, 260 shows a year, minus 14, you're looking at 246 times 30. That's 7,380 shows a year. No, no, hold on. He's doing, he's doing 246 shows a year. So that's, that's 7,380 shows in his lifetime, Okay. 7,380 shows in his lifetime. But on each show, there was how many guests? Three guests, typically three guests. So we're going to round it to three. Sometimes there was four, sometimes there was two. So let's just say there was three guests. 7,380 shows over 30 years times three guests is 22,140 conversations. Okay? 7,380 monologues but 22,140 dialogues. It's a lot of talking. So in the monologue, Johnny had his stuff written for him and it's tough. If any of you guys do a podcast or if any of you guys are doing uh, just Facebook stories or uh, Instagram, it's tough just to sit here and talk and talk and talk, okay? But think about the dialogues that he had with guests. How many of those sucked? How many of those 22,140 estimated conversations did Johnny have someone on there that was just a dud? Probably quite a few. Every once in a while, he had some great people on, the Robin Williams, the Burt Reynolds, those classic ones, Don Rickles. Again, I'm dating myself, so forgive me, but if you're a Jimmy Fallon fan, who does he have on that he talks to that is great? But chances are some of them aren't good. So your job as a communicator, and you see this in your team, right? There are people on your team, and some of them are great. They're easy to coach, easy to talk to. Some not so good. Some not so easy to talk to. Some conversations might be painful. But it's your job as a leader to create a dialogue and facilitate growth. So in other words, Johnny had the camera on him. Jimmy Fallon has the camera on them. If something's bombing and there's no good dialogue, it's not going to be good. We're a little bit luckier. But if someone on your team and you are not getting along or you're not having that rapport with them or you're a one-trick pony and you've built your entire business off of doing TikToks, but you don't know how to communicate to people, you don't know how to tell stories, You don't know how to get people to use emotion, passion, and compassion. Then you might struggle with this. So I would ask you this. Become really good at creating dialogue. And how do we do that? We ask more questions. How do we do that? 
We listen more intently. How do we do that? We ask follow-up questions from the initial questions, answer. Follow-up questions from the initial questions, answer. Listen. Most great leaders are great listeners. Most great speakers and communicators are first great what? Listeners. They're great listeners. So we have to take a little bit of time to listen and create a dialogue. Ask more questions. Even when I'm talking to you here and you're not answering me, notice how many times I'm asking you questions. I'm asking you to lend me your brain and do a little bit of thinking. You like to think. And I'm asking you these questions so you can be involved, even though you're somewhere else listening to this on a replay. We have to facilitate that. Okay? We have to facilitate that. So getting back, as we wrap up, and I take one more drink of water. Because I'll tell you what. These monologues turn into dialogues. They take up a lot of my, they take up a lot of my moisture in my mouth and I have to drink a lot of water. So <laughs> as I wrap up, I want to tell you guys, do yourself a favor. Remember that storytelling is like joke telling. Remember that we all want to know that the truth that we feel can lead to a truth that somebody else is also feeling that we're more alike than we are different. And Annette Simmons said, People don't need more information. They're up to their eyeballs in information. What they want is faith. Faith in you. Faith in your story. In the story that you tell. Faith. And once that happens, Annette Simmons says, once that happens, once your, sto your story becomes their stories, you've tapped into the powerful force of faith. Once your story becomes your client, your prospect story, then you, my friends, have tapped into the powerful force of faith. And when people have faith in you, they follow you, they buy from you, and they like you. Cultivate the faith. Cultivate the faith. Be a better storyteller. Remember that people want to connect. Use your words to connect, not to control. Give them information in the context of a relationship and you will be successful you will be successful i know it practice it do it and my friends every single time you show up know that you are making a difference in the world by telling a great story we'll see you next time on the turned on podcast